And I am so excited to get into this new series with you. Today we kick off a brand new series called Unshakable. What we're going to do is we're going to take the next five weeks and we're going to journey verse by verse through two chapters. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning there, I want to make sure... And give a huge, huge thank you to Dwindle Nelms. Dwindle filled in for me last Sunday while I was out. Uh, I got to go to a family reunion in North Carolina, and then we drove up to Pennsylvania with Mel's family. My wife and my kids are still in Pennsylvania, so this is my one week a year where I'm a bachelor. Uh, so if I seem a little out of sorts, it's because I am. Uh, that is a legitimate thing, but uh, I'm so excited for my wife and kids to get back this week. But I want to just make sure and say a huge thank you to Dwindle. Uh, he brought an awesome word last week on, on standing straight strong on the impact of iron sharpening iron. Can we give it up for Dwindle very, very quickly, guys? Thank you, Dwindle. Uh, we had been in a very long series, a question and answer series called Asking for a Friend, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know that I did, uh, but I'm really excited to, to transition into this new series today. Hebrews chapter 11 is probably my favorite chapter in the Bible, uh, and I try not to be that preacher who just teaches the stuff that I'm excited about and passionate about. I'm pretty sure I haven't taught on this since 2012, so I think 11 years is long enough uh, for, for me to be able to, to come back to it and teach on it again. Um, in fact, the last time I taught on it was in the 662, it was in our youth ministry. Uh, so I don't think I've ever taught on Sundays this passage. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into it with you. Um, the book of Hebrews, you have to understand a few things in contextually before we get into this. Hebrews uh, was written by an unknown author. In fact, it's the only book in the Bible that we don't know who wrote it. There are a lot of theories about who wrote this book, but, but there's not a consensus on who it may be. Hebrews is unique in a couple ways in the New Testament. First of all, it is written, as you probably could guess, uh, to the Jews. It's written to specifically to God's people. But most Bible scholars believe, and I certainly agree, that it wasn't just written to Jews generally. It was actually written to a very specific demographic of Jews, uh, and that demographic was the priests. It, it was written to, to those who served in God's temple. Uh, and what Bible scholars believe was happening contextually from the book, uh, and again, I agree with, is, is that this group of priests had come to Jesus. Uh, they had gotten saved, and they got excited about God. They got excited about what God was doing, and then things started to get rough. You ever had a point in your walk with Jesus where it wasn't so easy anymore? Uh, you, ever, you ever had a point where, man, I was fired up about God, things were going good, I was on the right track, and then something happened. Your marriage started to get a little rocky. You got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Your plant shut down. Something went askew. Your, your children started to rebel, right? Something happened where it had been easy before, and you had trusted God before. Now things started to get a little bit shaky, Hebrews is written to some people whose faith is shaking. And it's written to encourage them not to step away, not to give up, not to tap out. It's written to encourage them to persevere, to, to continue to trust God, to push through the, the persecution. What's really happening to the priests is that they're under attack from people around them. 
Uh, they're under attack at the workplace from other priests who are like, we've rejected Jesus. We're the ones who, are, we crucified Jesus. What are you doing turning away from us? They're, they're being treated as, as betrayers. Uh, they're being treated as, as traitors, as the enemy. Uh, it's coming from their family, from their siblings, from their parents. It's coming from their community. They're, they're now ostracized where they had once been celebrated, where they had once been looked up to, where they had once been revered because they were priests. Now, now the pressure's been turned up. And some of them are like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this Jesus thing isn't worth it. I wonder how many of us, if we're real honest, we've ever been at a point where we say, man, maybe this Jesus thing just isn't worth it. Temptation ratchets up, and, and now we've got to make a choice. We're at a crossroads. Do I want this thing, or do I want God's best? Is this Jesus thing really worth it? What I want to do over the next five weeks is I want to help move us towards a place where we can answer that question confidently that, yes, this Jesus thing is worth it. That, that our Savior is worth it, that following him is worth it. I want to help you take steps and me take steps to get to a place where our faith cannot be so easily shaken. I believe there's a place we can be where our faith is actually unshakable. And that's the goal. That's where we're headed. That's what we're aspiring to over these next few weeks to get to an unshakable faith. Um, we're going to read through the book of Hebrews together. Today we're going to hit, I believe, the first 12 verses. Not the whole book of Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 11 and 12. Uh, but we're going to read the first 12 verses in Hebrews 11 today. This is a very famous chapter in the Bible. Um, it's oftentimes called the Hall of Faith. Uh, we're going to see some legends, so some people whose shoulders we stand upon, some saints who have gone before us, and the incredible faith that they had and how that can encourage us and inspire us. My favorite part of the chapter actually isn't even what we're going to cover today or next week. My favorite part we're going to get in in week three, the last week of July. That's what really makes Hebrews 11 my favorite, but it's really, really good stuff as we begin. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start reading today in verse 1. It says this, now faith, everybody say faith. You're going to see that word a lot. It's going to be a consistent theme through chapter 11. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There is a place where you can get in your walk with Jesus where you can be confident in the things that you hope for. Now, I don't mean and I don't believe the author of Hebrews meant, man, the things you hope for as far as like, man, a promotion, Right? As far as, man, my team winning the Super Bowl this year. I don't, I don't think that's the kind of faith that the author of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about the things that we hope for in Jesus. The things that we hope for in Christ, that you can be confident in those things. Not, man, it might happen. Not, if, if everything goes right, Jesus might come through. But no, I have confidence in what I hope for. And I have assurance about that which I do not See, And then it says this. Look at the second verse. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. These people who he's about to start talking about, or she, this author of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. They, these, these saints, men and women, they're about to start discussing. They refer to them as ancients. Man, this is what the ancients were commended for. So, so it's possible to have a faith that God sees as commendable. It's possible for you, man of God, 
woman of God, young person of God, to get to a point in your faith where God looks down and says, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, that's where I want you to be. Yes, you're getting it. It's starting to click. It says this is what the ancients were commended for. So the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes, and please, please, please plan on taking notes this series because it's going to be good because God is going to speak. I, I, I truly believe is this, is that those who went before us should inspire our faith. I'm so glad that, that we're not starting this thing out on our own. I'm so glad that this thing didn't start with us and it's not going to end with us. There are those who have gone before us who inspire us. Maybe for you, that inspiration was a praying grandma. Maybe for you, that was a, a godly father. Maybe for you, you didn't grow up with, with any godly example in your family, but it was somebody that you went to school with, somebody that you worked with, somebody who shared Jesus with you, but their faith inspired you to be who you are today. The faith of those who has gone before us should inspire us. We're going to find some inspiration over these next few verses in Hebrews chapter 11 some from, from some very specific men and women of God whose faith can inspire us. Verse 3, it now says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. It says that it causes, it's faith that causes us to believe that God really created all this. It's faith that allows us to understand that God spoke and the universe was formed, that something came from nothing. It takes faith to believe in these things, and it says, by faith we understand it. By faith, verse 4, we read this already in our offering talk, says, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And for, for some of us, that may be kind of disturbing, like God's up there like, Comparing offerings, uh, God's up there weighing the scale. What, what God was not comparing what was given, God was comparing the hearts of the givers. Okay? Abel, if you go back to the story in Genesis chapter 4, Abel brought God his first fruits. The first that he had, the, the first sheep that were, or lambs that were born to his sheep, he brought the first fruits. Well, Cain brought some fruit when he got around to it. Uh, he, he, he got to a point where he brought God something, but God wasn't the priority. God wasn't the purpose. It, it was maybe out of guilt, maybe out of shame, maybe out of seeing, well, my brother did it, so I got to do something too. Um, and so the heart of the giver was different. It wasn't that the gift was compared, but the giver was absolutely compared. And God looked at one with favor and said, this is what I want. Your desire is to honor me. Your desire is to glorify me. Your desire is to worship me. And then he looked at the other and said, no. That's not the heart that I'm after. Did you know that you can have the right actions with the wrong heart? Praise God, we can have the right heart with the wrong actions sometimes too, right? Uh, and God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. So he does compare these two offerings. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks. Even though he's dead, I think that's such an amazing, amazing declaration that, that our faith can outlive us. By faith, verse 5, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Enoch is not one of the most famous names in this passage. In fact, some of us may have never heard of Enoch before. He is mentioned in the book of Genesis very, very briefly. Uh, and it says that he walked with God and then he was no more. Enoch lived a faithful life. He honored God. He served God. And God said, you know what? It's time. Come home. 
And he did not have to pass through death. In fact, we only know of two people in Scripture who this is true of, Enoch and Elijah. Elijah's was much more spectacular, much more dramatic. Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire. God made a very bold declaration with Elijah. With Enoch, it was much more peaceful and chill. He just wasn't there anymore. Uh, he essentially was raptured. He was taken up. Uh, is the first rapture that we see in Scripture. It says, He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Would you take a moment to think on those last two words? Enoch was commended as one who pleased God. I hope there's something in your heart that leaps at that statement. I hope there's something inside of you that says, that's what I want to be. I want to be known. I want an epitaph. I want God to look down and say, I was one who pleased God. What a goal. What an aspiration. What an inspiration for us that we could be remembered as one who pleased God. Then we get this famous statement out of that in verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please God? It's going to require some faith. You want to please God? You're not going to get there without faith. And it tells us why. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. It's like, okay, duh, right? I can't go to somebody that I don't believe in. That's the, that's the, the obvious part, but the statement doesn't stop there. You want to please God, you got to believe he exists. But secondly, you must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Chances are you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe that God exists. Now, there might be a, a, a few of us who, who are on that, straddling that line right now. Maybe a family member dragged you here, or maybe you're, you're questioning your faith and seeking right now. And if that's you, I want you to know, man, this is a safe place for you. You, you don't have to make any decisions today. We want you to walk through that journey and, and listen to God's voice. And I believe you're going to hear it, and you're going to be ready to respond when, when you do. But for most of us, we probably already believe that God exists. So here's the question. Do you believe that God rewards those who earnestly seek him? I hope so. So that raises the third question then. If you believe that God rewards those who earnestly seek him, are you seeking him? Because if we believe he's a rewarder, if we believe that there's, there's a blessing on seeking God, and then we look at our life and we're just kind of going through the motions, we're, we're just kind of checking some spiritual boxes, and we're not really earnestly, fervently, sincerely seeking God, then we got to ask ourselves, why not? Why would we deprive ourselves of, of the God who wants us to spend time with him, who wants us in his presence, and who says, hey, if you'll just do this, if you'll seek me, I've got all kinds of blessing I'm going to give you for it. And yet so many of us in modern-day Christianity are just kind of on cruise. We're just kind of in neutral. We're just kind of floating through our spiritual life. And I'm not here to condemn you today if that's you. I'm just here to, to, to reignite a passion in your heart that he's worth it, that seeking him is worth it. So one more question for you before we move forward. Where's your desire at to please God today? 
Where's that desire meter? Is is that meter at 50? Man, we're we're running on half. Man, some days I desire to please him, and some days I'm just kind of making it. Is that desire meter at at five? Man, I just kind of, I just want to make it into heaven. If I make it to heaven, I'm good. I don't really care about anything else. I just don't want to go to hell. Or is that desire meter at 90? Is it at 95? Is it at 100? Do you wake up with the desire that I get to please God today? Man, I can make my creator happy today. I can do something to honor the one who died in my place today. Where's that desire meter this morning? Yes, there are some actions we have to put behind the desire, but the actions have to flow from the desire. Do you want to please him? And if not, today's a really good day to give yourself a little kick in the butt. Today's today's a really good day to receive that conviction from the Holy Spirit that says, you know what, Your, your desire's low. Maybe you can look back at a previous season of life and the desire was higher. And again, we're not here to, to put you down or condemn you if that's the case. I've been in those situations many times in my life. I'm just here to say, let's, let, let's kick that thing back up. Let's ramp it back up. I want to be someone who pleases God. I want to be part of a generation that pleases God. I want to be part of a family that pleases God, a church that pleases God. And if we're going to do that, we're going to please God more. It's going to require more faith, right? If it requires faith to please God, then if we want to please God more than we are now, it's going to take more faith. Everybody say more faith. We've got to stretch our faith and believe God for more. Verse 7, by faith Noah when warned about things not yet seen, the flood is coming and it had never even rained. Right? That's, that takes some faith to go spend 120 years building a boat when you've never seen a raindrop. That's, that's some faith. That's some faithfulness. There's some discipline. There's a lot of things in there. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise." And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. What I want to do is I want to journey through this with you very, very quickly. I want to show you seven attributes of an unshakable faith. If you're going to have a faith that can't be shaken, if you're going to have a faith that that even when the economy starts to go sideways, my faith is strong, that that, that even when another pandemic hits and a virus pops up out of nowhere and nobody knows how to respond to it, and, and it seems that people are making ridiculous decisions that, you know what, my faith is not going to be shaken. If you want a faith that's going to withstand whatever attack the enemy brings, whatever persecution comes your way, whatever circumstances go sideways in life, Here's some attributes of that kind of faith that we can see as as we journey through. First of all, unshakable faith transcends family drama. We saw this with Cain and Abel, right? That that Abel had some some drama with his brother. In fact, it was drama that ended up ultimately taking his life. And yet his unshakable faith was so strong that he's still speaking today, even though his brother took his life thousands of years ago. I don't know what your family drama looks like, uh, but... 
I was just at a family reunion. Uh, so I know what mine looks like. Uh, I, I know what my family issues are. Uh, and I know that sometimes, man, family stuff can just throw us for a loop. Man, because those are the most important people in our world and, and sometimes the, the most frustrating people in our world, right? But there's a point we can get to in faith where even though our family may turn against us, even though our family may reject us, even though our family may attack us for doing what's right, why did Abel lose his life at his brother's hands? Because Abel simply had a heart to honor God. And yet, his faith was so strong, it was unshakable, even at the hands of persecution of his own brother. That's the kind of faith that I want. Secondly, unshakable faith that pleases God. We saw this so clearly in the text, but I want to make sure that you put it down. I want to make sure that you grab a hold of it. There's a faith out there that makes God happy, that makes God proud. I remember the first time I heard someone say that, that we could actually behave in such a way that caused God to smile. I had never really considered God up in heaven looking down at our actions and, and smiling. But God chooses to identify himself as a father, right? But all the different roles he could take on to teach us about his heart for us, he chooses again and again in the New Testament. He says, I'm, I'm a father. God, the father. What does that tell us, man? It means that our human relationship, the way that it's supposed to work, can inform us about the way God loves us. And I'm a dad. I got three kids. Haven't seen them for five days. I miss my kids. Why? They make me proud. They make me smile. They, 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 make me, they make my heart leap. You need to know that's how God feels about you. Much more pure and, and righteous than my feelings towards my kids, right? My feelings are, are, are messed up because I'm a fallen, broken person, and they're, they're not always there. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get, right? Like, like my, my heart is not pure towards my kids, but I love my kids. God's heart is pure in his love for you. And you can please him. You can make him smile. You need to know that unshakable faith will please God. I want to get to that place where I have that kind of faith. Thirdly, unshakable faith stands out in an evil generation. Points to Noah. Who was Noah? Noah's a guy who lived in a generation where nobody served God. Nobody. Noah's the only righteous person on earth along with his family. There's eight family members, and that's it. For 120 years, they seek somebody else out, telling this story, this truth that, hey, this judgment is coming, come to the ark and be saved, and nobody responds. I know it's popular right now for Christians to, to freak out about the generation that we live in, to look around, and trust me, there's things that I look around at, and I'm like, what is even happening in our world? Like, we have lost our minds. So I understand the feelings, but I need you to know this. None of this is catching God off guard. None of this is shaking him. He is not up in heaven quaking in fear at the evil in our generation. He knew it was coming, and he puts you in this generation anyway for such a time as this. And so we can have a faith that, is, that, that chooses, I'm going to stand out in an evil generation. I don't have to go along with all the things that I see in the world. I don't have to participate, and I don't have to shrink back in fear either. I can boldly stand up as a follower of Jesus because I've got a faith that can't be shaken by the way that my generation chooses to act. 
It stands out in an evil, broken, fallen generation. Number four, unshakable faith follows wherever God leads. Kind of cruise through the second half of that just because we're, we're low on time with the stuff we did with VBS today. But, but it talks about Abraham, man, set out for a place that he didn't even know. God said, hey, I've got a promised land for you. I've got a place where I'm going to take you. And God just said, follow me. And Abraham said, okay. And the most impressive part of that story to me isn't just that Abraham had faith to go wherever God said. It's that Abraham's wife had faith to go wherever God said to Abraham. Right? Like, like you go to your wife and say, hey, we're, we're packing up. We're moving. Okay, cool. Where are we going? I don't know. Good luck. Uh, that, that, that's a hard conversation. Uh, and yes, Sarah said, okay. I'm on board. I trust in God with you. There's an unshakable faith that follows wherever God leads. Here's the reality. Most of us may not know where God's leading us right now. We may not know the final destination. In fact, I've found many times in life I thought God was leading me one place, but he was only leading me to that place because there was another place beyond it he was trying to get me to. I had no clue ultimately what he was trying to get me to. I, I had no clue when I moved here in 2005 to be a youth pastor that, that God had a plan for me to be the lead pastor at that church and that I was going to be here, what is that, 18 years later? I can't do the math. It's been a minute, right? I had no idea what God had in store. I had no idea in 2017 when we started a, a $20,000 building campaign to renovate the little shopping center that our church was meeting in, that God had a whole building and six acres of land. He was just going to give to us rent-free, mortgage-free, and we just needed to have some money to renovate it. I had no clue. I thought God was leading someplace, but God was leading somewhere so much better. That's just who he is. An unshakable faith says, God, I don't know where you're taking me, but I'm on board. I don't know where you're taking me, but I trust that it's somewhere good. I may not know the final destination here. I may not know all the ins and outs and twists and turns, but I know at the end of the road you have something great for me, so I'm going to follow wherever you take me. That's an unshakable faith, the kind of faith that God desires for us. Number five, unshakable faith looks forward to something better. I want to show you, if you'll put up verse 9 for us one more time. It said, by faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. What's it saying? It's saying that Abraham got to the place that God was taking him, but God didn't say, hey, Go build that house. This is where you're going to be forever. He, he's, he lived in tents. What's a tent? A tent's a very transient thing. It's something that you can take up and move and migrate. Why? Because God knew that his people weren't ready to settle in the promised land. They were going to spend generations in Egypt. So he didn't have him build something permanent. And Abraham, by faith, said, you know what, God, I'm up for whatever you got for me. I'm up for wherever you're taking me because I know there's something better in store. An unshakable faith is always looking forward to something better. Do you believe God's got something better in store for you? Do you think you've maxed out on God's goodness? You think you've maxed out his best for your life? I know I haven't maxed out his best for my life. I know he's got more goodness in store for me. A faith that's unshakable is looking forward to something better. Abraham looked forward to something better. Man, I know this ain't all you got. I'm blessed, and I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. You've been more good to me than I deserve. But, God, I know you still got something better. I think God's waiting for a generation to raise up that just says, hey, God, I know you got something better coming my way. God, you've got something better in store for me. I'm looking forward to something that is greater. Number six, an unshakable faith trusts 
that God is not finished. Verse 11 says, by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age. That's a, that's a fun little statement there if you know the story. Sarah wasn't just past childbearing age. She was way past childbearing age, okay? She was 90. My mom didn't even make it to 90, okay? Uh, like, my, my mom stopped having kids at 33, uh, there, there are women who have kids up to, what, like 45 maybe, like the very, very upper limits of like supernatural, like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> get some get behind me Satans in the crowd. Uh, the 45-year-olds have spoken. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, I, I, love, I love how funny the Bible is sometimes. I think sometimes we read the Bible so seriously and we miss out on the humor. Uh, by faith, Sarah, who was past childbearing age. I feel like the author of Hebrews like winked when they said that, right? Like she went way past it, blew past it, decades past it. Like it, the, the, the prayer request had stopped, right? You have given up. Like that's just part of life that ain't going to happen. We've moved on. Do you know? That unshakable faith trusts that God is not finished. Even when life seems to have put an expiration date, even when, man, the, the, the people around us say, nope, God can never use you that way again. God can never do that in your life. You missed your opportunity. Even when our feelings say that, even when our body says that, if God says, I got something for you, he got something for you. I'm a big believer that as long as you still got breath, as long as you're still living, God's still got something for you. He's not finished with you. An unshakable faith doesn't just say, God, take me home. I hear that sometimes from Christians, and I get it because we get tired. I get it because we look around and we're like, man, I don't even want to be around to see what's next. Like the last seven years have been crazy enough. I don't want to know what the next seven years are going to be. I, I understand. But we got to get to a place where we know that God ain't done with us. God ain't done using us. God's not done using our church. God's not done using our kids' ministry. God's not done using our youth ministry. God's not done using your heart. He's not done using your testimony. He's not done using your gifts. He's not done using your talents. He's not done using your body. God is not done with you. Unshakable faith trusts that God is not finished. And number seven, an unshakable faith impacts future generations. It impacts future generations. Look one more time with me at verse 12. It says, and so from this one man, this being Abraham, and he as good as dead, from a purely physical standpoint, a human standpoint, an earthly standpoint, Abraham had one foot in the grave. He was 99 years old. I don't know if I have faith to make it to 99, right? Like he wasn't just 99 and, and on a respirator, he was 99 making babies. And you can do some math in there, right? The, the, the ability for the body to conceive was supernatural, but the, the conception was not supernatural, okay? So Abraham had not given up on some things, and neither had Sarah. You, you, you didn't come to church ready to hear that today, did you? Uh, this is BBS Sunday. We ain't talking about 99-year-olds making babies. It happened. Earthly standpoint, he was as good as dead, but not from God's standpoint. said, so from this one man, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And unshakable faith doesn't just impact your life. It doesn't just impact your community. It doesn't just impact your church. It impacts generations. 
don't know about you, but I want a generational impact. I want an impact that ripples through the generations. I don't know how many more generations are to come. I don't know how long Jesus is going to tarry. I don't know any of those things. I can't promise you we got this long or that long, but I know however long is left, I want my life to impact it. I want the things that, that God chose to do in me, the opportunities that he gave me to impact a future generation. We had 46 volunteers serve our kids this week. 46 people, 30 adults and 16 teenagers who said, I'm going to give up Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to invest in some kids. Can I tell you, yesterday afternoon, there were some people who were dragging, okay? There, was, there were some people who were tired. There were some people who felt like Abraham. I'm as good as dead. I got nothing left to give, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I talked to somebody who was like, man, I just... This week confirmed for me, I am not called to kids' ministry. Like, they, 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 they got some clarity on their future, on their calling. Uh, talk, to, talk to some people who are like, man, I live for this. I am in my zone. I am in my element. There is a part of me I didn't even know was there that's been activated. Because, man, these kids draw life and energy out of me. Look, we all got a different calling and a different purpose. But somehow, someway, we're all called to impact future generations. It ain't just about us. There's a future that God wants us to invest in. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks, I know today we were a little short on time, but to, just to, to wrap this up, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how to build that kind of faith. Today we've just kind of created a picture of what that faith is. How do we build that kind of faith? How do we get that kind of faith for ourselves? How can we be the kind of people that, that God would commend? How can we have the kind of faith that pleases God? We're going to see some some really cool things over the next four weeks. I hope and, you pray, and I pray that you can be here, that you choose to be here, that you choose to invest in your own faith, that you choose to say, you know what, I know there's a faith in me, I know that God's gotten me to this point in my walk with him because of my faith, but I'm not satisfied with where my faith is. I believe God wants to stretch my faith. I believe God wants to take my faith to a new level. I believe God wants to reawaken some things in me that perhaps have gone dormant, that perhaps have been forgotten, that perhaps have been pushed aside, that there's some stuff in me that God hasn't gotten out of me yet, and I'm going to believe him over this next month that his word is going to speak. It's going to encourage me. It's going to challenge me. It's going to inspire me. And I'm taking my faith to a new level. I'm choosing to pursue and believe God for an unshakable faith. That's what I'm looking for for my life. That's what I'm believing for for my life. I want to encourage you this week, read Hebrews 11 and 12. Just read it. Begin to meditate on it. Begin to let these, these verses speak to you. And man, come in next week ready for God to speak as, as we journey through. I think we got like 17 or 18 verses next week. Uh, I think we go through verse 30 or 31. Um, and we're going to see God do some awesome, awesome stuff in our life. Would you stand with me as we pray and we close today?